0: Well, it is so good. So good to see all y'all, y'all. What was that? <laughs> y'all this morning. Hey, how's everyone doing this morning? Doing all right? Hanging in there. Hey, let me look in the camera. Welcome everyone watching online. We love you guys. Hey, can we give it up for those online? They're a part of us, even though they're not here. They're still a part of us. I was a little nervous doing the video back in uh, July or way back before then. We started actually with a March. Thank you. We started with like a little iPhone camera phone, like right there to where we are, where we got camera operators and the online experience is so much more greater than where we were back in March. We didn't have it. We always knew we needed to get video because we were constantly receiving feedback from those that attend Radiant Life to say, hey, can I watch it? Like if I'm on vacation or I'm doing this or that, can I get online? Or like, No, but you can hear us when we post the, the audio, and now we have it. Hey, can we give it up for your team that put all this together to make it happen? They worked long hours here, and they don't get paid, right? That's the thing. They did it. Well, hey, I hope you guys are journeying with us as a church with 21 days of prayer and fasting. I kind of gave a little bit of thing last week. Last week, I decided I really felt the Lord was calling me to a different fast, and I've given up sugar, and now I'm on day eight of no sugar. And I'm going to tell you, I have great temptation for sugar. I didn't realize, like, I was like, for the first couple days, I was good. People are asked, like, have you hit your crash yet? And I'm like, no, this is easy. And then Wednesday came. I was like, oh dear God, I need you, I'm dragging. And then Thursday came and Friday, I took two naps on Friday. I was like, oh Lord, help me. And then I was getting my coffee pot ready on Friday night. And I was, um, I I, I buy whole beans and I grind them myself and I got a scale and I I do all the nerdy stuff because I'm gonna tell you, when you actually get a scale and you scale your beans out, it changes the coffee. It is beautiful. It is awesome. Thank you for the one clap. And um, so I did it and as I was like grinding the beans and I set my grinder and it's grinding the beans for me, I turn over and there are chocolate cookies right there. Oh, and everything inside of me. Uh, quick question. You think I ate it? No. Yeah. Well, I already told you I'm eight days free of sugar. I didn't eat it. I was like, get behind me, Satan. And then luckily my beautiful wife, she sits there and goes, they were overcooked anyways. You wouldn't like them. So I was like, yes, thank you. Burn all the cookies as we make it for the next 21 days. <laughs> um, that's bad. Hey, welcome to week two, um, identity. You are, aren't who you think you are. And last week, if you missed it, you can jump online at theradiantlife.church and go to the media page. And I kind of sum the entire series with this idea is I think we have an identity crisis. And I'm not talking about those who don't follow Jesus. I'm talking about within the church, those who follow Jesus. I truly don't believe that we're walking in everything that God wants us to walk in. We're still caught up with the things and smudges of yesterday and our past and what we've done. And I really believe that God is setting forth for us in 2021 that He's ready to give you the new identity if you're ready to receive it. And you gotta be ready to receive it. And I ended last week's message with this verse. When you believed, in other words, when you came to faith and you put your whole life in trust into Jesus Christ, you were, what's this one word, friends? You were? You were marked. You were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. The issue is we think we're marked by what we've done and not by marked in the Spirit of God. And then I closed with last week by saying I am marked by his presence. If you follow Jesus here this morning, that is who you are. You are marked by his presence. You are not what you've done. You are marked by the presence of God. And it's time to awaken our souls and walk into that. And this morning, this is our foundational verse where we're going to camp out and understand where we're going to journey. It's found in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, and it's the Passion Translation. It reads this way. But the moment one turns to the Lord with an open heart, the veil is lifted and they see. Now, what is this veil that they're talking about? Think of a lot of times in a wedding, the bride may wear a veil And then you pull it back and her face is revealed. That's exactly what we're talking about here. That veil is a barrier between you and the Lord. And it says, when you turn to the Lord with an open heart, that veil is lifted and you will be face to face and you will be changed. You will be walking in your new identity and who you are. And Paul, who wrote this, continues on and says this, now the Lord I'm referring to is the Holy Spirit. And wherever he is Lord, there is what, friends? Lean in. lean in. Lean in for a minute. If you follow Jesus this morning, hear my heart. If you are sitting there walking and struggling, and what is happening to the lights right now? <laughs> Rabbit. All right. If you are struggling with an addiction, lean in. You haven't gone all in yet. The enemy is holding you back. Because watch this, watch this. When you have been baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit, where the Lord is, there is what again? What's the one word? You got to go all in. You got to go all in. Wherever the Spirit of the Lord, the Holy Spirit resides, there's freedom. You can break the bondage of addiction right now. We believe, we are a church that believes in the power of Jesus Christ over the power of sin in this world. We believe it. And then it goes on, it says this, we can all draw close to him with the veil removed. That barrier is gone from our faces and no veil we will become like mirrors, brightly reflect the glory of the Lord Jesus. That is a beautiful thing because I want for you this new year and for myself and for our church that when you wake up in the morning and you look at the mirror, you see Jesus and not the things you've done. I love the, how the message translation or paraphrase uh, does this verse. It says this, we're free of it, all of us, nothing between us and God. And that's where I want to get you this year. Our faces shining with the brightness of his face. And so we are transfigured or transformed much like the Messiah. But our lives, our lives gradually, incremental, becoming brighter. And, more beautiful. and that's my prayer and heart for you is that your life will be brighter and more beautiful this year. As God enters our lives and we become like him. And that's our goal, to live like Jesus, to become like him. But we've got to settle our identity first. So week two, part two of the series, I've titled this message, Mirror, Mirror. Let's pray. Heavenly Father. I pray that it would not be my words that leave my lips, but it would be you. I'm just your vessel. Would you use me? I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would just tug on our heart and our own spirit where we need conviction. Do it gently and encouraging. Will you help us to exactly know where we need to get things out of our life to look more like you? And may by the end of this message and this teaching as we journey together, may we have a better image of who we are, but most importantly, a better image of who you are, God. And we pray that in Jesus' name. And Everyone said, amen. amen. Every morning you look into a mirror. At least you should, unless you're just that good. You don't need a mirror every morning. Let me ask you a question. When you look into a mirror, what do you see? And I'm not saying I see that zit and I got a date tonight like oh man get that thing out of here I'm not saying more wrinkles I'm not saying man I've noticed I got a lot more gray in my beard or my hair than ever I'm not talking about that I'm talking about when you intimately look at yourself in the mirror who or what do you see every day you probably look in the mirror at least a couple of times what do you see Walt Disney in Disney productions, their very first movie ever created was Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. And if you know the story, many of you probably do this morning, you know that there's an evil witch that every single day she looks into a mirror and she has this phrase, mirror, mirror on the wall. Let's say the rest with me. Who is the fairest of them all? What is she doing? Every day, she's looking for validation of who she is. Hey, magic mirror, you just tell me who I am. And it amazes me how many people today walk around doing the exact same thing. You walk around saying, hey, work. Mirror, mirror, tell me who I am. Am I doing a good job? You get with your friends. Mirror, mirror, friends, who do you say I am? Maybe it's your kids. Mirror, mirror, am I a good parent? Mirror, mirror, am I going to do successful things in life? Mirror, mirror, look at all my possessions. Am I good enough? And we look at the wrong mirrors in life. And we base our identity by not what God says, but by the mirrors we're looking into. From some of you, you look into a mirror, it's the mirror of failure. Every time you look in the mirror, that's what you see. Here's the warning of this mirror. This mirror screams at you, I am what I did. I am what I did. Now hear me. You at times may have messed up, right? We probably all have messed up. You may have to pay for the consequences of your mistake, but you are not your mistake. You are who Jesus Christ says you are. You are forgiven and you are free. You have to, we got to walk in that. You are not what you did. I love parenting. Not all the time, but sometimes, right? Um, It's a parenting thing that I'm trying to adjust and learn in my own walk with my kids is understanding when I have a child that messes up, you sit down and ask them, what'd you do? But you remind them, you are not that. You are better than that. Remind them, hey, listen, you may have to pay the consequences because, man, that was some bad choices, right? But you are not those choices. But so many followers of Jesus walk around, and when they see themselves, all they see is failure. This is what I did. I'm, I stink with money. I'm bankrupt. That's who I am. I'm on my fourth marriage. I can't get this thing right. That's who I am. I drink way too much, that's who I am. I gossip and talk about people with a critical spirit way too much, that's who I am. Listen, you are not that. The enemy of your soul wants to tell you that, but you are never. God never sees you by what you did, he sees you by what you can become. And he never sees that. He sees potential, that's why I love teachers. You see potential in students that students never see in themselves or they get at home. They see, You see potential. Keep teaching well. Keep loving on them. But too many of us, we're looking, and when we see ourselves, you look at the mirror of failure and say, I am what I did. Maybe for others of you, you see it's the mirror of rejection. Every time you look at yourself, you say, I'm not wanted, I'm not loved whether it's through relationships that are broken off or things that just never worked out in your life, you sit there and go, no one's ever gonna want me. The one who put breath in your lungs is the one that wants you more than anyone. You gotta walk in that. No matter what you did, listen, God loves you and God is for you. Walk in that, walk in that. Here's the third mirror, the mirror of social pressure. You know what the mirror of social pressure says? When you look into the mirror of social pressure, it says, I am who they say I am. I am who they say I am. Too many of us are allowing the words of others to define our identity and not going to the words that bring life, which is God's word. Right? Let's be real. Facebook is fake. All right? Hear me out. I'm not going to bash on social media. A little bit, but it's fake. How many friends do you have? Well, Facebook tells me 1,200 friends. You don't have 1,200 friends. You're lucky if you got 10 friends, all right? Come on now. You'd, the problem is we're comparing our life to everyone's highlight reel. No one puts the bad stuff on social media. No one puts there and says, hey, I love my wife, even though we just fought right now. No, you know what they do? Oh, we're on a vacation. Look, we're in love. Oh, yeah, right. Right? Oh, my kid made the honor roll. Great. I'm all for it. But post the paper that they failed also and the hard work to get on the honor roll. We don't do that, right? Anyone wake out of bed and take a selfie and post it on social media? I mean, right out of bed. Nope. Right? We wait till we put on the makeup and everything else. And then on top of that, we get the filter that's on social media and take pictures. And we're comparing ourselves and we put things out there because we want to read the comments and sit there and go what are they saying about me and whatever they say that must be who i am ladies can i preach to you for a moment you're comparing your bodies to women's bodies on magazine that they did all this editing and moved all that stuff around if you know what i mean right (laughs) stop that that's fake but we're comparing it it's the mirror of social pressure let me speak into this, because this is the one that I fall into. I got off of almost all social media. I quit Twitter, and I quit Instagram. I was like, that's just nonsense to me. Forgive me. You like it? Do, do it if it's working for you. I had to get off. You know what I was looking? I was looking for approval from you guys instead of looking for the approval of the Lord. I was looking for who they say I am rather than getting into the presence of God and saying, God, who am I? I quit looking at our videos, you watching online and throwing comments. I would go and scroll after Sunday morning, sitting in my chair, trying to say, oh, did they like it? Did they like it? Did they like it? I want my approval. And I stopped doing that. I said, forget it. I got to get off this stuff. I'm looking in the wrong places for who I am. And some of you are looking in the wrong places of who you are. I love coaching. I love coaching football with some of our staff that attend here at Radiant Life. I love it. This past year was a tough year outside of the COVID restrictions and everything we had to do, we weren't good. Like when you win zero games, you're not that good, right? <laughs> and so it was just really hard and difficult season for us. But um, we also didn't have enough, because since I coach, eighth, uh, I coach middle school football, we didn't. we normally have an eighth grade team and a seventh grade team. We didn't have enough seventh graders come out. So we were allowed by MHSAA rules to bring up sixth graders to play. Which we, hindsight, okay, we could have made a better decision. But it gave those kids a year into the program. And bringing those kids up, we got a lot of conversations, which was one of the things I love about coaching. I don't just love football. I love telling the kids who they are. And what I realized is the broken homes that they come from and the social pressure that they're up against. I remember I, I tended to do the COVID check-in table because I had to check all the kids' temperatures before they come to practice, ask them the COVID questions. And I ran that table a lot with Coach Jeff Carey. And I remember one, towards the end of the season, I was sitting at the table and I had one of my players over here. And uh, you could tell he was just down and out. He was looking at his phone, but you could tell, you, you got that sense like something's going on. And I'm sitting at the table and I don't know when to shut up or whatnot. And he eventually comes, he says, Coach Bib. I gotta go. I said, "All right, why you gotta go?" If I can ask, and he says, "I ain't gonna lie," and he told me his whole story about he's got younger siblings and he's got to go home and take care of them because mom and dad are going through a divorce. And you can see that kid wanted to ball his eyes out in front of me because his friends get to go to practice while he's got to go home and take care of his siblings. And I said, how does that make you feel? I thought I was going to have to give him a ton of Kleenexes right there. And he was fighting and he doesn't want to cry in front of his teammates and friends. And he just shakes his head. I said, listen, you can walk out of practice. You're not going to get in trouble for this. Your game time will not be reflected by this because this is not your fault. But I'm praying for you. And I don't know if he follows Jesus or not, but you see a little bright light in his darkness. He was listening to the social pressure of who he was, but I needed to know that there is something bigger than what you're going through, and his name is Jesus Christ. But some of us, we fall into this. Last story. This is the mirror I often fall into. I won an award in fourth grade. Why do you laugh? That wasn't funny. I really did. Jeez. And um, I remember going to the auditorium here in town and um, got my award. And then I heard what the award was for, for students who they don't think will make it in life. You know, something that shaped my entire identity growing up was that statement. I needed to prove to people what I can do now. So why did I get straight A's in high school and be the first National Honor Society student out of my family? Because I had to prove I can do it. I don't know how many of you know the Enneagram personality assessment, but I'm a three, which is an achiever. I now know why. I got to go up that mountain and achieve it, but I'm not satisfied because there's got to be another mountain to climb and let's go get it. All because of the words I heard. We got to let Jesus Christ define us, not the words of the social pressure that are out there. Amen? I realize things. I realize that that's why I like when you guys say compliments to me. But I'm trying to have a humble posture, and if you've ever said something to me, you know immediately what I say first. Bless God. Honor first. And then thanks for loving on me. Thank you. All right. All right, fourth and final mirror. Here we go. It's the mirror of inferiority. I think this is a mirror that many of us struggle with because this mirror shouts at you, I'm not enough. I'll never be that parent. I will never be that mom. I'll never be that dad. I'll never be that husband or wife. I'll never be that coworker. I'm just not enough. I don't have what it takes. And you're defining everything by constantly looking into that mirror all the time. You have to know you are not who you think you are. If you want to understand who you are, get this line right here. To find out what something is, ask the one who created it. You want to know who you are? Ask the one who put breaths into your lungs. And now I'm not talking about mom and dad. I'm talking about your creator. I don't know about you, but I don't get art. Abstract art. It makes no sense to me. You can't call, in my eyes, you can't call art art if all you did was put a paintbrush in a paint can and go like this. You look at it and you're like, my four-year-old can do way better than that. But that thing sells for millions of dollars. And you're like, what? And then you hear, and I, I view it, that's why I don't go to art museums. They bore me. I don't know what it is. What is that thing? That looks like junk to me. And anyways, you go. And it may make no sense to you, right? But then you read the little thing beside the art piece, gives the artist's story. And why they did that, because they were suffering through depression and they were looking for a glimpse of hope in darkness. And you sit there and go, oh, that has meaning. Because I realized I went to the one who created it and asked, And that's what you and I are going to do this morning. Moses, a guy by the name of Moses, a biblical hero, right? Many of you, if you grow up in church, maybe when you get to heaven, you want to ask Moses some questions. I want to ask Moses one question. You spoke to a burning bush. Are you out of your mind? Like, seriously, this thing's on fire, and you're going to to stop and talk to that thing. Even though that thing's talking back to you, you're going to stop. Anyways, um, Moses struggled with his identity. I think he's looking in different mirrors that you and I look in. Moses, in fact, was a Hebrew boy and uh, they wanted to kill all the Hebrew boys. So Moses' mom, as a baby, took him, made a basket of some pitch and tar, sent it down the Nile River in order to save his life, hoping that some Egyptian or someone would get a hold of him. In fact, Pharaoh, who's on Egypt's throne, uh, Pharaoh's daughter finds Moses in a basket because she's down by the Nile River and takes him in. And for the first 40 years of Moses' life, He's the Prince of Egypt. That's a pretty good life. The issue is he knows all along, I'm not Egyptian. My people are the Hebrews. They're God's chosen people. And he's wrestling with his identity of, I'm an Egyptian, but I'm a Hebrew. And one day he goes out where the Hebrew, his people are making bricks. And he understands and he sees something. He sees an Egyptian treating one of his own people horribly. And he goes out there and he murders that Egyptian and he hides his sin and hides the murder away. He goes out a few days later and he sees two of his own people, the Hebrew people, bickering and fighting. And he goes out and he says, stop, stop, we're on the same team. And then one of them turns and says, hey, you're gonna kill us like you did the Egyptian. And Moses leaves his palace and he flees out into the wilderness for the next 40 years of his life. He goes from from a palace to prince of Egypt to the wilderness as a shepherd. And now he's out there, and he's in Midian, and he sees this mountain. He goes up on the mountain, and there's a bush that's on fire, but it's not consumed by the flames. And in it, as he's speaking, this thing's speaking to him, and he says, Moses, take off your sandals, for you are standing on holy ground. I've got a mission for you to take on the assignment, if you're willing, Moses. And Moses is sitting there going, what? Do you know what I did? I fled. I'm in the wilderness because I fled who I am and what I did. And I think Moses is asking an important question that you and I often ask. Moses asks um, this question right here. Who am I? You got to know what I did, God. I'm a murderer. You really want to use a murderer? Who am I? And here's the story. Here's the conversation in Exodus chapter three. It says, but Moses said to God, who am I? Come on, God, use someone else that doesn't mess up. Use someone else. Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God said, I'll be with you. Notice God's response. God not one time answers Moses' question. Moses wants to know who am I, but how does God respond by who who God is? Moses, it doesn't matter who you are. Know this, I'm with you. And when God is with you, you can go face anything in this world. But Moses is too caught up by saying, but I'm not that. I'm caught up in my sin and what I've done and this horrible identity. And God says, no, forget all that. Listen, I'll be with you. You need to know some of you are facing things far bigger than your power on your own. God is with you and let him take over and let him do what he's got to do. And he continues, and this will be your sign to you that it is I who have sent you Listen, when you get all those Israelites out of Egypt, when you brought them out, you will worship God on this mountain. Right here where I am, you are going to worship me. And I'm going to say, for some of you, you're still defined by what you did. you got to be defined by the blood of Jesus Christ on the cross. You are forgiven. You are free. And we got to start walking in who we are. You have the presence of God living inside of you as a Christian, as a follower of Jesus, it is there. Now let it birth and let's walk in who we are. The issue is we sit here and we still got the veil over our eyes as we read in 2 Corinthians and we can't see God and everything the way it should be because we're seeing the ugliness of who we think we are. I love, I love, I love, I love What Paul writes to the church in Corinth who are also struggling, he says, but God's amazing grace has made me who I am. Not what I did, not what I've done, not the failure, not the rejection, not who people say I am, but God's amazing grace has made me who I am. Know this, friends, I am who I am by the grace of God. That's who I am. So we're gonna say it because I don't think you got it yet, all right? And we need to get into, get this inside of us. Ready? Let's repeat it. Let's read it out together. Are you ready? It is hotter than blazons in here right now. All right, here we go. Ready? I am who I am by the grace of God. You didn't believe it enough. One more time. Ready? I am who I am by the grace of God. I am standing in front of you today by the grace of God. I couldn't public speak worth anything when I was growing up. Remember, I'm the one that's on the side that says, hey, this is a kid that's not going to make it in life. I'm the one that goes into my 10th grade speech class and so afraid, and I never skipped a day of school in my life. And some of you, you majored in that, but I understand. I didn't do that. I wanted to skip the days that I was to give a speech. And then I go into college, and freshman year, I had to take stupid speech communication class, and I wanted to sleep through it. And then I get up there, and my very first speech, you guys heard of the freshman 15, right? Uh, That's like, because freshmen gain 15 pounds of weight their freshman year in college. I gave an argument why everyone will gain 20 pounds. It's called the freshman 20. And I got up there, and I was like, uh, is it over yet? I didn't even say hello. I think I forgot half the things I was going to say. I was so terrified. I am standing you here today by the grace of God. Go all in and let them work on your life, it's amazing. Go all in. Here's the last question. Moses says, God, who am I? We're wrestling with that, aren't we? Who am I, who am I, who am I? I've made all these mistakes, who am I? But all of a sudden Moses says, fine. You're not answering the question, I wanna know, who are you? Who are you, God? Who are you? I think for many of us, we're wrestling with our identity and insecurities because you don't know the God you serve. You don't know the God you serve, because when you know the God you serve, your insecurities and your identity and your problems in life seem oh so small, and you walk into it, and it's beautiful. Here's the conversation. Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, what's his name? What am I going to tell them? Who are you, God? Give me something. Give me some ammo so when I go back to the people, they're going to know who you are. Because obviously I don't. I'm too caught up with my messes of life and who I think I am as a murderer. But who are you? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. I wonder if Moses was like, that is the dumbest answer, God. (laughs) I am who I am? Biblical scholars will say this is the very first time God uses the compassionate name Yahweh. I'm everything. That's who you're to tell the Israelites who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent you to me. Some of us need to realize the mighty, powerful God we serve, but we're too caught up in the mistakes of life and who we think we are. It's time to worship the God that is so mighty that can completely change your circumstance if you go all in. Too many of us, we're playing safe Christianity. God, give me enough fire insurance so I don't, I don't go to hell when in this life. I mean, I, I, got, I don't want to sign up for a life group. I don't want to do community with other believers. I, I, just, I just want to show up for church, do my duty. I don't want to raise my hands in worship. That's all for weird people anyways. Like, I don't want to do those things. Just get me by. I wonder if 2021 isn't a year marked by you going all in with the one who put breath in your lungs, with the mighty and powerful God who can take, take, take your mess. If he took a murderer and made him to be a deliverer, he can take anything you've gone in life and completely change you. But you gotta be willing to go all in. And I wonder if too many of us were trying to explain everything in the spiritual realm And we're trying to just explain it all and understand it in the physical, and sometimes we got to get out of the physical to understand the spiritual. It reminds me of a story of a girl that she's writing a report to her teacher, and it was on any historical figure. So the girl wrote on Jonah, and wrote the story about Jonah being swallowed by a big fish and surviving for three days. And in the midst of that, she turns in her report, and her teacher says, do you really believe Jonah is a real thing and this happened? She's like, yeah, I'm a person of faith. I I do believe. And the teacher responded, says, this is physically impossible. And she says, I agree. It's physically impossible. But with the spiritual, anything is possible. And he says, well, how do you know that this truly happened? And she says, you know what? When I get to heaven, I'm going to ask Jonah. And so the teacher says, well, what happened if he's not in heaven? She turns to him and says, well, then you can ask him. <laughs> we got to get our eyes on the spiritual. There's a new identity for you. Ah, Lord God. Behold, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and your outstretched arm. Nothing is too difficult for you. There is nothing. Your God can change your identity. Your issues and your problems are small to the creator of the universe. And you've got to understand, there is nothing too difficult for my God. Amen, friends? So I'm going to ask you in this moment, will you please stand? And we're going to sing that bridge and chorus of that brand new song. There is nothing too difficult for my God.